Hey guys, so if you're a TV producer, film producer, podcast producer, and you're like me, whenever you go out and you do a long interview or if you need an interview transcribed, you never have anybody to do it, and it's really long and labor intensive. But I'm here to tell you there is a great way to get this done. Transcription Farm offers transcription and translation services for TV and film. Founded by producers for producers, their services are geared specifically toward the needs of television production companies. 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year, they are fast, secure, and accurate. Easy uploads, free script sync files, no charge for additional speakers, and rates as low as $150 per minute. Mention hearing this ad on Reality of Reality for 10% off your first order of up to 10 hours of video. You can learn more about Transcription Farm at transcriptionfarm.com. And I personally can vouch for them because I use them and they did a fantastic job with a quick turnaround. Hello, hello. This is Reality of Reality. I'm Aliza Rosen, a longtime TV producer and development executive. Every week on the podcast, I talk to interesting people in all aspects of unscripted content. Hello, everybody. I am happy to connect with everyone again for what's looking like a real shut-in. Well, it already is a real shut-in, but will be for this indefinite amount of time. So want to let you know that the good news is because we are all at home and have extra time, um, I want to try and put out two podcasts a week for the near future. And I'm really looking forward to that. I have some really fun people lined up. And I really, you know, I know that for myself, I'm craving content. Like, what do I watch? What do I listen to? Um, We're kind of like caged animals. So I hope that the extra content will bring you joy. I mean, anything but Corona at this point, or or, sorry, COVID-19 talk. And, you know, we all are asking, like, what should we watch? What should we listen to? So today I am reuniting with my favorite TV partner in crime, Brian Samuels. He, as you know, or you may have known from listening in the past, he watches even way more than I do. And so we decided after popular demand from our last podcast back in December for our sort of end of the year recap that we would do this content recap a couple uh, times a year. And then we decided when this happened to move it up. So we are going to do probably a two-parter today because I think it's going to be a long conversation. We always have so much to talk about. If you hear an airplane or anything in the background, I am recording outside on my porch with a winter coat on and a hat because my daughter has taken up my office. My husband works from home, so it's hard to find a place in the house where I can be relatively in peace. And I know a lot of you are dealing with that too. Just a quick note to say, um, if you haven't gotten a chance to rate the podcast on iTunes, if you could do that, give me five stars and a review. That really helps me. And as usual, I am super grateful for all you guys listening and all your support. So I hope you have fun listening to the What to Watch, What to Listen to podcast, my first one of 2020. Okay, so I'm here with Brian Samuels, who lives, I believe, less than two miles away, but we are on Skype because we need to be. Brian, hello. It's good to be back, although it would be much more enjoyable if we were sitting in your house doing this like we did last time, but, uh, you know, circumstances. Yeah, it's crazy. I don't, I feel like I, I want to know how you're doing, but I don't want to dwell on it too much because I feel like I'm just so damn sick of talking about it and hearing about it. And this is going to be an escape, escapist podcast. That's right. We're going to tell you some shows that we think you might be, um, you should consider taking a look at during this quote-unquote downtime you might have in front of you. A closer look, if you will. Yeah, some things we like, some things we've watched over the last few months since we uh, last came to you with our thoughts on 2019 shows. I know, it is kind of hilarious that we've only, uh, we only got together a couple months ago and yet we have such a long list of things to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's something, it feels like this should be a three-parter, not, even, not, not a one or a two-parter. I know, or we're just going to do it again in a couple months because there's just so much and we are watching it all so you guys don't, well, so that you know what to do. We're, we're helping, right? <laughs> this is really our, this is our way of giving back. Yeah, we weed things out for you too. Right. Tell you what you definitely don't want to watch and what you should watch. So, and the funny thing is, I think I told you this, we get a lot, I got a lot of feedback on our last pod. And so I think I'm going to figure out a way to post this on the show notes. Um, well, actually I don't want to ruin it, but, um, so take notes guys. What can I say? If I, if I post <laughs> the notes, you won't watch it. You won't listen to it. Okay. I'm losing it. 
I got Corona brain. All right. <laughs> so really, really bad. Um, okay. So let's start with a show we can both agree on that's having a great season and super fun, which is Curb Your Enthusiasm. Oh, it's, I mean, it's been so good that you forget, you know, the show goes away for so long, so long hiatus, and then it comes back and it just, it's like, okay, I see what you guys have been doing while you've been off. You've been coming up with really funny ideas. Yeah. How long has it been since the last season? Like five years or something? I think less than that. Cause wasn't the last season they did the Seinfeld season? No, but I did rewatch that season recently and God, it is so amazing. Cause I was having a particularly bad day in New York a couple months ago and I said, what's going to make me feel better? And it turns out it was the Seinfeld season of Curb. <laughs> God, if you haven't seen that season, I don't remember. I think it was maybe even season eight. I don't remember. But no, it's been a couple seasons since um, since that one. But this season is really, not every episode is amazing. I'll say that. But the first two were probably two of the best in history. And then the last few have been really good, too. Couldn't agree more. I think it's, I think overall, it's been an absolutely brilliant season. And I'm sad that Sunday is the season finale. I know. It's just so much fun. And Leon's so hilarious. I mean, every character, Mocha Joe, Ted Dance, and Cheryl. I mean, <laughs> Susie, are you kidding me with Susie? It's just, it's been, it's been brilliant. I actually, uh, today on TV Uncovered, have two really long pieces, one on Jeff Garland and one on J.B. Smoove. Oh, good. Two of my faves. And they've got a ton of celebrity cameos this season. I feel like more than ever. A ton. And some of them make sense. And then, then there's Vince Vaughn. <laughs> right. It's just, it's just there. By the way, for, uh, the last season was 2017. Okay. So it's been three years. That makes sense. Yeah. yeah the Vince Vaughn, Did do you have any? 2017? Yeah. You're, you're, you're very old school. Um, yeah. did December we... 2017. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So that's really fun. If you can binge it on HBO, if you haven't already, really, really loved it. Uh, one that you have not seen, but I just love is Grace and Frankie on Netflix. There's a there's a plane. By the way, I'm recording this outside on my porch because there's nowhere inside where I can't be disturbed, where I won't be disturbed. It's a nice balmy 50 degrees there. For it you. is. I'm wearing my winter coat <laughs> and I'm drinking my tea, <laughs> but I'm okay. It's fresh air and it's beautiful. Grateful. Uh, yeah, Grace and Frankie, I know you don't watch, so not much to talk about, but I highly recommend it. Just as like a fun, it's a perfect for these times because it's not deep. It, but it delivers every time, and it's a, it's just a, you know what it is? It's adorable. I, I have nothing to add. I've never seen it, but if yeah. uh, you know, if it's an adorable show, then and you recommend it, then people should watch it. I agree. That means you're never going to watch it, but it's really cute. That's <laughs> well, all I'm saying. I mean, I don't necessarily get sucked in by something being described as an adorable show, but <laughs> I'm sure a lot of people would enjoy that. Okay, fine. Something you did not find ador- adorable was you, also on Netflix. Ugh. <laughs> it's millennial Dexter. Come on. I don't understand the appeal. I think, so I read the book. Um, I couldn't get through season one. I just didn't, it didn't work for me. Um, as you know, I'm a huge fan of Chris D'Elia, So I said, all right, fine. I'll watch season two. I started watching it. I got about two and a half episodes in and quit. I think it's the, the VO really annoys me. <laughs> it's, it's very VO heavy. It's very Dexter. Yeah, I just, I can't take the VO and I just, I couldn't get through it. But listen, people love it, um, you included, and, um, you know, it just wasn't for me. Fair enough. I, I see you and I raise you. <laughs> no, I mean, there is, there's nothing you can do. It's that kind of show that, like, either you like it or you don't. You know, there's it's, it's like it's going to rub you a certain way and that's just how it's going to go. I can't convince you. And also, you is definitely not a hill I'm going to die on either. Like, I will die right. on the episodes hill. I made my cousin and her husband start binging it because I guaranteed them that they will absolutely love You loved episodes, right? Have we ever discussed episodes? Loved. Right. Yes, I mean, there's no – I will die on that hill. Like, you will yeah. not make it out of that without falling in love with it. You, you yeah, you're just – if you're either going to like it or you're not. So <laughs> right. I found it yeah. fun, guilty pleasure, um, Good story arc. It, again, really, really fun binge. Um, we both agree on a Hulu show called Shrill with A.D. Bryant. I just really enjoy it. I really like season one. I think it's, again, it falls into that fast, easy, fun watch that you can knock out quickly. They're shorter, you know, 30-minute episodes. Um, and I just think it's, I think it's a great show. I, I agree. And I find it different. It's a little quirky. 
Um, The casting is unexpected. You know, it celebrates uh, all these kinds of themes that we're not used to seeing. And Adie is such a delight. She is such a breath of fresh, as they say. Um, She really is. And and that's one that I would highly recommend people. Me too. And I want to. Two seasons, easy to watch. Yeah. And I, and I love that this season they, they had that amazing episode with, um, was it Kristen Wiig who the, the like women's empowerment weekend who played the woman that was, oh, Vanessa Bayer. Remember that yes. episode? And yes. they, she goes yes, to yes, this yes. like kind of Oprah-esque women's empowerment weekend. And I just, that one just hit me upside the head. They just dealt with, you know, all of the ways that women are going to these, you know, the self-help, try to fix me. Um, and what if I'm okay just the way I am? I just thought it was really profound in a way that, I was not expecting. I mean, because it's always funny, but it was pretty right. deep, right? That episode was super yeah. deep. Yes. And this show, like, so I watch, there are certain shows that I watch and I know, I think of what you're going to like <laughs> because we, sh- well, we share, people don't know, we share a lot of banter back and forth on shows um, on a very, very regular basis over text. And we, we talk about what we like and what we don't like. And so there are certain shows that I watch that you come to mind and I know that you're going to like, and this was definitely one of them as I was going through this. There are others on this list that I could have told you before you told me your opinion, <laughs> what your opinion was going to be. Um, we're going to get to those. I can't wait. But yeah. That's just because we're, you know, we have that constant yeah. communication about shows. Well, so, what did I say to you the other day when I said you will? Do- oh, I know what it is. Okay, we'll get to it. Yeah, I know okay. what it is too. <laughs> yeah. Okay, very good. So I put The Outsider on this list thinking that I would watch it because I had recorded all seven episodes. And then I made this executive decision last week to delete all the seven episodes before I watched it. I don't know what made me do that, but I just decided I didn't want to watch it. But you watched it. This is on HBO, right? Yes. And it's Stephen King. And I thought it started out very strong. I was really into it through the first, call it four episodes. And then by episode five, it started to slow down and it started to fade. And I thought episode six got worse and a little more boring. And then by episode seven, no joke, about three quarters <laughs> of the way through the finale, where this whole thing is going to wrap up and they're going to tell you everything that happened, I was done and fast forwarded it to the very end and deleted it. Okay? So. I mean, it, when you fast forward through a nail biting finale, you don't have mm-hmm. a good show on your hands. Done. And I couldn't handle another second of it. I literally said out loud to myself, this is horrible. Fast forward. Wait, so what are the critics saying other than you? I think people have actually liked it a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't think it's been, you know, wildly, widely heralded as one of the best shows of the year. Um, But I think people liked it. And it was it was kind of a consensus amongst people that I talked to about the show that everyone really liked it from the beginning. It was a little bit out there. It was a little weird. What are they chasing? And then it just faded hard. Are there um, any stars? Yeah, but nobody that is going to, you know, win an award or that is necessarily to me um, household name. Got it. But and what is just, it? What's the It's a mystery, right? A murder mystery, which is why I thought I would like it. It's a... <laughs> It's okay. It's very, very weird. It's an investigation of a murder of a young child. And as things progress, what they find is that the murder was caused by this supernatural being that takes over people's bodies and causes them to do horrible things. Okay, I wish I had known that before I even recorded it. You know how I feel about a sci-fi twist. No likey. No bueno. Yeah, that's, uh, that's what the show is about. Okay, moving on. So one that we both, and by the way, we're not divide as opposed to our earlier podcast where we kind of divide into scripted and unscripted, we're just lumping it all in. So just deal with it, people. Okay, one that we both really enjoyed, and I could have predicted you would enjoy it. In fact, I think I told you to watch it, was the Kevin Hart docuseries on Netflix. You did. Yes, and I, I really, really liked it. And are you a Kevin Hart person? You know, I'm glad you asked. Um, I always have liked Kevin, um, and I thought that he handled the whole Oscar thing at the time really kind of weirdly is the best word I have for it. Not even badly or goodly, just weirdly. And... Um, but I've always kind of had a soft spot for him. I don't know. If, oh, you don't. You're not on Facebook, but um, 
I did a thing I've never done with anyone where when I first moved here, I was working out at Equinox where he went. And I was such a big fan at that point that I stopped him to take a selfie. (laughs) And he grabbed that phone so fast out of my hand because he knew exactly how to take it so that we would look the same height. And I have to say, (laughs) even though I was at the gym, my hair was up. I looked really good in that picture. And so did Kevin. So Kev, you do, you know, you know what to do. That's, that's why you're, that's why you're A-list baby. And so and his, his son's actually in my daughter's class. They're friends and he's kind of in and out of the, you see him a bunch in the dock um, at the house. Anyway, long story short. Yes, I like Kevin. Um, but I felt like I got to know him in a whole other way. So tell people what it's about and why they'll like it. Cause I thought it was just, I was, let me just say this shocked at how much he showed and revealed. I couldn't agree more. I thought it was such a a cool look into his life and what goes on in his world on a day-to-day basis and how he decided to deal with certain issues that came his way um, from allegations of cheating to the whole thing with the Oscars. I just thought it was really interesting. And I, I appreciate how candid he was through this entire thing. And if you don't like Kevin Hart, that's not necessarily reason not to watch because I'm not a Kevin Hart guy. Yeah, I'm not his stand-up specials or going to see the movies he that he's in. But this to me was really interesting. Whether or not you like Kevin Hart, and may I, I make worth- may I make a broader point that you brought up, which sure. is that that to me is good content because I always say I've said this before. I'm sure in the podcast that. You know, I hate Motley Crue, but I love the behind the music about Motley Crue. So if it's the same thing here, like if something's really well done and revealing and entertaining, it almost doesn't matter what the actual subject is if it's done in a really well, well-crafted way. And I will jump up ahead for a second to the Hillary four-parter on Hulu. And I'll say the same thing about that, um, which is that, you know, Hillary, Hillary is like a Rorschach test, right? For, for a lot of things. So a lot of people strongly hate her or strongly dislike her. But I almost want to say, however you feel about her, I think that you'll like that docuseries. I don't know if you got a chance to watch that. I did, and I agree with you. I think it was a little – I think it was their parallel, right, Those the Kevin Hart and the Hillary? Well, docs. yes and no. I, yes and no. Go ahead. I'll tell right. you how I feel like they differ. I think that the Kevin Hart doc goes deeper into certain – Oh, yeah issues in his life about his relationship with his father, um, which they cover in great depth. And I think it's really interesting. And I knew nothing of the relationship with his father that he had and that he was, I won't spoil it. Yeah. I mean, I feel like that defined his entire existence was that relationship. Exactly. And, And I knew nothing of it. And I thought that was really interesting. So I think it was it was a, a little bit of a deeper dive in certain areas in the, on the Kevin Hart side versus the Hillary side. Um, but I, I really need your take on this because. Yeah. I mean, I think Hillary, I mean, just in terms of production, the Hillary doc was a traditional documentary just broken into four parts. You know, it's sort of like the definitive, yeah. the definitive piece on Hillary Clinton and her life and kind of what she meant to the second wave of feminism and what she, again, being that were such test for Americans and kind of all of her chapters of her life, whether it was as first lady of Arkansas, first lady of the country. I mean, I think there's a lot there to mine and it really, I think everyone had the experience, anyone to me, you know, with any brain had an experience of (laughs) how the mother F is this woman, not president, just like however you feel about her aside, just the depth of her knowledge and experience and character. Well, I won't even say character. I'll just say experience and intellect yes. alone. I yes. mean, what- she's, she's brilliant. brilliant. When, they de- when they dive into her academic past and her work experience, I mean, the, it just paints a picture of how intelligent she is. Um, and again, that was something that, you know, I know what her past is, but I like that deeper look into what she's done and what she had accomplished to date. Yeah. I'm trying to get the director on um, Nanette Burstein to talk about, you know, I love hearing kind of the behind the scenes of how it was made. Um, But one other thing, two other things I want to say about the Hillary Duck, and then I want to go back to Kevin, how I think Kevin's different is that um, the Hillary, the Hillary Duck was obviously more well curated in the sense of, you know, it definitely was, 
was a rosier sort of picture. Although I, I do say the fact that they interviewed those journalists who were not as kind to her at the time. And yes. I felt it was a little more expansive than I expected. And then, of course, it went into the Monica Lewinsky stuff. Oh, wait, sorry. One other point before the Monica thing. I wanted to say that what was so interesting that I never realized before when they showed the scope of her life was how at every turn early on, she had to suppress who she was. I mean, she was so feisty and yes. so um, she was a feminist and she wasn't afraid to speak her mind and she didn't give a shit. And then you just see over the years how she had to tamper that and tamper that to make sure that w- the bill won his races, to make sure that she was a first lady that everybody could accept. And that made me really upset. And just the larger picture of like how women have had to do that to conform to some societal expectation. And the fact that, you know, everyone in 2016, and we talked about this even on the last podcast, how she was on Howard and it's like, Oh, if only she had gone on Howard before everyone would have voted for her. And she, she felt that she could not show that side of the real Hillary because she's always been lambasted for it and, and lambasted for it and never been able to be the true Hillary. So that dichotomy was extremely depressing, you know, and, and bummed me out. I think it's it 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 all the epitome of all of that is her they the storyline of the need for her to to take his last name. Exactly. Wow, that was quite the story. Really yeah. interesting. We'll we'll leave a few things for people to find out themselves, but that really is definitive. And then the other thing, here's my only complaint to be honest about I, I really thought it was so well done. It was so interesting and she was really great. My my uh, little um shout out to Cheryl Mills who uh, was was in the was in the dock a few times. She was the uh, White House lawyer who defended Bill Clinton on the Senate floor and was also my boss at Oxygen. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, she's amazing. Anyway, so I thought the Monica Lewinsky part was probably the most in-depth conversation that either Bill or Hillary has had about it. The part that annoyed me was that I felt like, you know, they spent a lot of time on kind of like how devastating it was for her and for Chelsea and for him and how he'd let everybody down and he was so stupid and should have never done it. And I felt like, listen, dude, I get that, you know, I get it, but you were cheating a lot before Monica. So I just felt like they played it up. Like there was this one mistake that he made and how could he have screwed everything up with one mistake? And it's like, yeah, the mistake was that he did it in the freaking white house with, you know, a young woman, (laughs) but like, and humiliated her, but he'd been doing that for years and she knew it. So I felt like that was a bit the elephant in the room that never got addressed. And that irritated me a little bit. Yeah. And I get that, right. It's a mistake because he got caught. (laughs) Exactly. Right. And, and all these other things that that weren't as public were like, to your point, what they just get to be you get a pass on those. Yeah. Essentially, for the for purposes of telling the story. <laughs> right. That, right. So, yeah, I, I I figured there would be a lot of uh, you have a lot of thoughts and opinions on that one. And I'm glad you got a chance to just express some of those. Thank you. And then just back to the Kevin Hart doc for one minute. Um the difference is that, you know, that was more of a docu-series. It was more a little bit of day in the life. It was more sort of those moments of, and that's what, those are the moments I loved in the Hillary doc when she was backstage with Bernie Sanders. He's like, button or no button? Right, right. <laughs> Such a I joy, that, that was one. interesting that, that she added up how much time she spent in hair and makeup. Yes. And 20, 25 days. Yeah. And Bernie, yeah. And Bernie's like, button or no button? <laughs> right. I, I can't. And Bernie was 20, about 25 minutes. Exactly. I, I, uh, don't get me raging against the patriarchy. So, <laughs> yeah. So, but Kevin, you know, it was a different look. And um, I thought, you know, the, that just seeing him in these unvarnished moments with his family, um, I just, I, I love that kind of real fly on the wall stuff. And I was really, the, the most interesting part of the doc to me was during the whole Oscar debacle, watching it unfold in real time and watching yes. his, that meeting that they filmed the day or a few days after it happened with his team. Wow. Yeah. yeah. It's, I thought it was really, really well done. It's, it's six episodes. They're each about 30 minutes. Um, and it's fast paced. So once you start, odds are you will just keep rolling right through them. So there's three hours of your life that, uh, you have to, to give to Kevin Hart and Netflix. Yeah. And see sides of him that were, you you get to see the dark sides too. It's really, really interesting. Okay. Let's move on. So the R. Kelly doc, uh, uh, part two, you did not watch. It was very, again, very well done. 
Shout out to Bree Miranda Bryant, my friend who uh, at Lifetime who championed this and executive produced it. Really worth your time. Again, super depressing, but very important in my opinion. We both watched the Aaron Hernandez documentary. We, we texted a little bit about it. I had the director, Gino McDermott, on to talk about it. What were your thoughts about it on Netflix? I thought it was I thought it was well done. I was, as a rabid sports fan, this was a story that I had been familiar with um, from the jump. I read so the all James of it. Patterson so you had book. Knew, so you had known all of it, like even the early stuff, like his whole, yes. you knew everything? Wow. Yes, yeah. So I read the James Patterson book, which seems odd that he would write a book about Aaron Hernandez, but yeah. he did. Uh, and it was really well done, and it, it basically took – the doc and it stretched it and went into much more detail. So I thought that the doc did it, did the story justice. Um, and at the end of the day, I, the one thing that really bothered me was that they, they made it a point to address the CTE issue and maybe alluded to the fact that the damage that had been done to his brain from playing football could have had a role in the acts that he committed. And I call bullshit on that. Mm. And I think Aaron Hernandez was just a bad guy. And I think he committed crimes and he was just a dumb, bad dude. And was his brain 100%? No. But did his brain damage from playing football allegedly cause him to, to commit these just heinous crimes? No, I don't think so. I think he was just a very bad person. It's really interesting that you say that because we did talk about that a little bit on the podcast with Gino and, you know, the sort of whole nature versus nurture. And of course, like you say, there's tons of athletes who have had CTE that are not serial killers. Um, but how much do you think, you know, they throw out a lot of theories. It was kind of like this kitchen sink of theories. And then it's sort of, and I kind of like that, that they didn't try to solve. I think, yes, you're right. They implied a bunch of stuff, but they didn't try to say, this is why they're just like, here are all the things that happen you decide what you think. So right. I thought that what they didn't focus on enough, which I found out later on some podcasts that I listened to is, you know, his father was extremely abusive, extremely abusive, really yes. scary dude that should have been in jail for abuse. So how much you believe just with R. Kelly, just with, you know, Michael Jackson, a lot of these really bad dudes, um, how much is about your upbringing and how much trauma and abuse you've been through factors in now, again, you could say, well, does that mean someone becomes a murderer? I don't know. So, you know, some people are just born, quote unquote, bad seeds with sociopathic genes. I don't know how much and you I felt. Think he, I think he was one of them. And I think it's okay to say that. Yeah. I don't, it, 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 you know, part of what he ended up doing was attributed to his upbringing. Part of it was attributed to the people that he ran around with. Mm -hmm. But in his DNA, like you said, it, he, to me, he was just a bad dude. Yeah. Just a bad guy. What do you make and of I, his I, wife or fiance rather? Not much. <laughs> 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 I not mean, much. I was just shocked. At how, I mean, in any world where I know that my partner has murdered my sister's boyfriend and I stick with uh -huh. my partner, like I just, I don't imagine I, that world does not exist. It sure doesn't. Nope. It's so weird. But you know, again, I don't want to go too deep into this, but another take that I've heard is that, you know, she was being coercively controlled by Aaron, even in some ways after he's dead, you know, monsters like that, that are so controlling and are so manipulative, like the Harvey Weinstein's and Bill Cosby's of the world, they work your brain so much that you literally become like a brainwashed cult member. I buy it. It's crazy, right? Yeah. All right, let's move yeah, on to Lighter Fair, another Netflix show. We were really doing a lot of Netflix here. Cheer. <laughs> how much, how great was Cheer? You know, I... Listen, let's cheer for Cheer. I, <laughs> I saw it, I, I, you know, it shows up. I'm like, ah, oh, am I going to yeah, watch this? I would not have said it's a Brian Samuels show. I will say right. that. Right, it's a doc show <laughs> about a cheerleading squad in college. You know what? Fuck <laughs> it, let's go. And once I started, I couldn't stop. Um, right? I, I just... If I found it to be incredibly interesting. I think these these kids are amazing. I think that they are such insanely talented athletes. And I think that the stories were all really interesting. And I think they did a really nice job telling them. Yeah. And another example, as we said earlier, about maybe not finding cheerleading 
competitive cheerleading in college the most interesting world or one that you would think you'd be interested in. But when it's told in such an amazing way with incredible characters, and let's face it, high stakes in every goddamn episode. I've never seen more injuries in my life. What the hell? Yeah, it's really, it's really incredible. And, um, I just was, I was riveted. I really was. I think that these kids are really interesting and, uh, you, you found yourself rooting for every single one of them, which I thought was cool. What'd you make of Monica, the coach? I think she's great. I actually, so funny. I actually had, um, a publisher ask me to, sometimes I get asked questions like this. Hey, do you know how to get in touch with so-and-so? Um, and I've, have ways of figuring out how to get in touch with people directly. So I actually, uh, connected her with this publisher an imprint under Simon and Schuster. Um, and we're going to find out if there's a book to be, to be written there. So I think she's interesting. I think she's great. And, uh, I big, big fan of Monica. Ooh, I love that juicy scoop. And there's totally yeah. a book. Monica, I have to say it was so, I love the way, I don't know if this was intentionally edited this way, which I bet it was, but what I love the, about the the way her story and her character unspooled in the episodes was at first I was like, she has no heart. She is cold. These kids are dying and she's just standing there on her phone. Like, what is wrong with her? <laughs> I mean, it really upset me because she's a mom and a coach. You know, I'm like, where is that maternal instinct? Like, how does she not care these kids are going to the hospital every day? But the more it unfolded, you saw how much she really did care and how big a heart she truly had and how she had to balance those two things. Yeah, I mean, she's she has to play the role of coach, too. And some of what comes along with coaching is showing some tough love and motivating the people that you're trying to teach. And so I think that's a that's a very fine line. And I think she does, she does a really nice job walking it. Yeah, she she there was a great. Did you see the SNL spoof that they did with it? It's really funny. No, but you got to check it I, out. It's super funny. I will. Um, the other thing is, uh, did you ever see the documentary about Mitt Romney on Netflix about three or four years ago? Called, I did not. Called Mitt. No, was it good? It was incredible. And same director as the guy who did Cheer, who also I'm sure you knew did Last Chance You. Yes. Love Last Chance You. So yeah, he's a Mormon himself. I think he's from Utah. And, uh, Mitt is really, I know it's, you know, been a while now, but it follows him through, um, through the campaign which is, you know, my favorite kind of documentary. <laughs> and it's really, <laughs> really good. And you see, it made me really like Mitt Romney. He's a solid dude. Um, so anyway, worth checking out, same director, just another great storyteller. Um, all right, so moving on, we talked about Hillary. Let's talk about, you know. Let's talk about, let's talk about the, the one everybody else seems to be talking about oh. from Netflix. Ooh, I know where you're going. Yeah. Can we talk about Love is Blind? Uh, happily. Happily. Okay, so, so let me say this. Say so it. I, I think that originally you had no interest in watching this <laughs> That's show. That's correct. Okay. Whereas I you was wait. in from the log line. Okay. <laughs> right. And so the, the episodes dropped, I think, right around Valentine's Day. Uh, and it was six episodes that came out in the first run. So Netflix yeah. did this show a little bit differently. They didn't release all episodes at once. Right. And I'm pretty sure I watched all six that night. Um, <laughs> of course you did. Of course, of course I did. And I got a text from you at some point after, or maybe a week later. Yeah, it took me a bit. later. Yeah, that you were in. And I was just <laughs> overjoyed. And Listen. I couldn't believe you are in. <laughs> I know. It just made me very happy. I couldn't believe it either. I have to say. So here's... I mean, there have been many podcasts talking about this, so I don't want to spend an hour on it, but but I do have a few things to say. So I think the reason why it hooked me, so I started watching it with my daughter, because I'm mother of the year, and <laughs> I, you know, I didn't, I wasn't really a married at first sight gal. I saw like a couple episodes early on many years ago. So sure. just the whole kind of relationship dating thing is not really my thing. I mean, I watched the finale of The Bachelor only because everybody was watching it but I had no idea what I was watching. So I'm sort of like a a little bit of a novice to this in general. So that probably helped in terms of like my jaw dropping, like what the fuck am I watching? Why are these people talking (laughs) and engaging to people, engaging, sorry, proposing to people through walls. (laughs) Like this is bizarre. They fell in love in four days without ever seeing one another. 
They were exchanging I love yous. <laughs> I These people I, are insane. Right. So I don't care about spoilers because it's been out for a while and everyone's talking about it. So, uh, so the first couple to get engaged is Cameron and Lauren. And Brian, when I tell you that when he proposed, my daughter and I, we watched in my bedroom, we were both were under the covers and we pulled <laughs> the covers over our heads and just kept going, no, 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 no. I have never cringed. I mean, the if you look up the word cringe in the dictionary, that was us watching Cameron propose to Lauren through a wall. I, I could not believe what I was saying. Well, <laughs> I'm happy to report that as of right now, they are still together. They are. I have to say they don't wear well. They're adorable. I was rooting for them the whole time. It's a little much. They're very thirsty on social media. Very. They they just started a YouTube. Oh yes, I They're gonna just give you an inside look into yeah. their their life together, and yeah. um, no, not interested. Not interested. You guys were cute. You had your moment. I think it's time to move on. You want to know, know what, what the, name of the YouTube channel is? It's some hanging. <laughs> I know it, Brian. Don't think I don't know it. It's hanging with the Hamiltons. Yep. And that's why we're such good friends. Exactly. Because you know. I, oh God, I'm the shame, the shame I bring on my family. <laughs> oh my God. All right. So, I mean, we have to talk about Messica, Messica and Mark, because that was the best. The oh. Barnett, Jessica, Amber triangle was one. I mean, I don't know. You're the aficionado. You're the expert on these dating shows. Was that one of the best <laughs> situations ever? I mean, Jessica it, just it was- getting wasted and continuing to think that Arnett was going to come around was just, it was gold. It was reality gold. It really was. First of all, my question is what's, <laughs> what's the, what's the great appeal here with this Barnett guy? <laughs> Am I missing something? He's such a I don't know. dumbass. Yeah. I don't know what I'm missing. And Jessica is just, I mean, <laughs> God, did she rightfully so caught so much shit um, because she put herself in this position to be a buffoon and embarrassed herself. <laughs> and this is why going on shows like this and then consuming alcohol is really a bad idea. Oh my God. <laughs> totally. I have to say, fast forward to the reunion, which was a complete disaster. Um, Wait, can we pause for a second? Because I want to say something about you and the reunion. <laughs> yes. Okay. So the reunion came out and obviously I was going to watch it the night it came out. And I get a text from you at about eight o'clock in the morning <laughs> that you watched it at about 5 a.m. I did. I did. And Thank you for outing me, Brian. I appreciate it. Well, you know, <laughs> it's I fine. I'm not I'm not embarrassed. I had to do what I had to your, do. It's you've chose your passion and enthusiasm for love is blind, which I applaud. Yeah. But you know what? I'm so pissed because I woke my ass up at 5 a.m. to watch it because I could not wait. It was the worst reunion in the history of reunions. And I do have a little tea to spill on the reunion. And I won't reveal my sources. But the reunion, this is going to make your jaw drop. And it it will also completely make sense as to why it was so horrible. The reunion was just supposed to be an extra, an online extra. It was not supposed to be a real reunion like the ones that we expect from our housewives that are full of drama. Three parts, right. Yeah. Yes, this was supposed to be a YouTube, it was going to be released on uh, Netflix YouTube channel, as, I... as you're right, as like an extra add-on. Oh, all right, so it's not, and it's not tea spilled. You already know about it. I, no, I knew that. And, but the, the fanfare around this was so huge that they put it on Netflix and it just was, it fell so flat. Yeah, I mean, honestly, Netflix should have spent the money gotten them all together again and done it Andy Cohen style. Get those Nick and Jessica, Nick and Jessica, get the Nick and Vanessa out of there. I'm sorry. Agreed. They seem yeah. like nice people. Nick is a robot. I'm reading Jessica Simpson's book and she says he can read the lines, but he can't improvise the scenes. And girl, you are correct. He <laughs> could not have a human thought unless it's off a teleprompter. And when Vanessa does it, she's like, peace and love, kumbaya. Like, no, sweetie, we want mess. We want drama. We want... Things, you know, we want horrible, you know, Carlton and Diamonds yelling at each other. Your wig has been off since episode one. <laughs> that was the best. Like, what are they doing? That reunion it, made me mad at the entire series. And I loved the it. It was series. awful. It, it was awful. I will say the the reunions for, for Are You the One in the Challenge are a trillion times better than that was. Exactly. Who hosts those? Oh, it varies every year. Sometimes it's um, The Miz for example. Right. <laughs> I'm aware of the movies. I, I am. And they have a spinoff show in USA. I know all about it. Correct. So yeah. let me ask you this. Top 
three favorite moments from Love is Blind, and I'm going to give you mine off the top of my head. One is okay, go. obviously the dog <laughs> drinking wine out of Jessica's wine glass and her going, oh, he loves wine. I've never in my life. Oh my God. I mean, wine can literally kill a dog. I can't with her. The other one is another Jessica and Mark moment when they talked, when they, all things are breaking down and they just decide to talk to each other through the wall in the house or the apartment. I, I could not. It was so amazing. And then the next one, and then my last one is Giannina Milady, whatever the hell her yep. name is. Rip it. I still don't understand what this meant, but she thought. She was in a telenovela, not a reality show, when she ripped a piece of her dress and gave it Thank you. to Damien. I, what did that mean? Why did she do I that? I have no idea. Does anyone know what that means? <laughs> no. Was, is there something about I have no idea. And, and they showed it again on the reunion, and I still don't understand it. I have no comprehension for that at all, why she did that or what the meaning is behind it. I mean, I have no idea. I will make a prediction that I don't think is that far-fetched. That relationship will result in a rabbit being boiled. <laughs> I'm not even saying who's going to do it because both of them are cray cray. Yeah, I mean, I think she's more openly crazy. Than he <laughs> right. Is. But something about one, him is serial killer well, in disguise. Exactly. He's the one you have to worry about. She's, <laughs> she's very openly crazy. He's the silent, the silent one. You know, you always, you always have to. Keep your eye on the guy who says nothing. Yeah. And speaking of which, I found all the men. First of all, why do they all have beards? Every last one I, of them. I don't know, but I made that comment too. Every <laughs> single one of them has has facial hair. Yeah. I don't and they're Everyone. very they were very well groomed beards too. Yeah. And then the other strange thing is why I'm oh, sorry. The other thing is that they're all creepy. I found them all yes. of them creepy. Yes. Listen, it's you know, you kind of have to take what you get. Right. I mean, <laughs> you're going out and you're casting for a show and you're you're essentially looking for people who reek of desperation, which is what these people <laughs> reeked of they because did. they were just desperate to find a relationship. And I think that's what causes these people to fall so hard, so fast, so hard, so they, fast. They convince themselves that they're in this and that the only answer is find the love of your life. And again, I'm all in for a social experiment where the end game is trying to find the love of your life. I'm all in. You love it. Wait, and why I is do. that? I just had to do some research on that for a show. And it was about, you know, like why we fall for the fairy tale every time. I don't know that I'm, I'm definitely not looking for the fairy tale. I just find it to be very interesting in, in the form of being a voyeur and watching these people and, relationships develop and fall apart and <laughs> right I don't know. so I'm you like the tra you like the train wreck yeah but i also i'm i'm a fan if they end up staying together right i'm not rooting for everyone to to break up i just find the whole social experiment of trying to find your match very interesting i think are you the one remains an interesting show to me mm -hmm. is it a good show no it's not but <laughs> it's, it's interesting I think the premise of it is different and it's interesting. And it so is. it is. I like a show like Love is Blind or Married at First Sight or any of these shows where they're basically just trying to match people and do it in a different way. Not the Bachelor, Bachelorette way, but a different way. Totally. All right. So let's end part one on another train wreck, which is Shaz of Sunset that you and I both watch and love. This last week was cray cray. And it's only going to get crazier. Oh, my really God. I have a lot to say, but I want to hear your thoughts first. First of all, I didn't think I, it was good until this past episode. So now I'm excited. I'm just a fan of the show. I don't know why. I know. I mean, it's one, just a stupid show. Yeah. And I've watched it from <laughs> the beginning. And I continue to do so for really no good reason. But I just, <laughs> you know, I'm, a, I'm obviously a, who isn't a fan of Reza. I just think that the whole scandal is interesting to me and that, you know, this relationship with with Mercedes and and how that's going to play out is interesting to me. And these people just they literally like give zero fucks about what they say or who they hurt. They, and it's, it's crazy. So here's yeah. my here's my take on what's going on. And honestly, if you're not watching Shaz, I, I we can't stop to break it down for you. So just this is for the this is for the viewers of Shaz. 
I think that Mer- Mers or MJ or Mercedes, whatever you want to call her, she 100% got her fingers into this whole Ali Farna, uh, Farna. She 100% got her, her hands into this whole mess with um, Reza and what's the boring husband's name? Adam. Adam. Oh, God, I hate Adam with every fiber of my body. <laughs> I really do. I want to punch his face. Right? Is he Who just- do you hate more? Who do you hate more? Gigi. Adam? Gigi. Were you going to say Gigi? Because it's Gigi. No, I wasn't. I Destiny? Wasn't. I was going to say Adam or Damien from Love is Blind. Oh, my God. Adam. A million more times Adam. Because Damien, I feel like, is sort of like maybe a good guy. Adam's just an idiot. Bump on a log. Like, I just, he has no, he's he's a liar. I, I just, I can't with them. Well, here's the thing. Okay, sorry. So back to my thing. I think it's pretty well documented that Adam and, and Reza have um, an open relationship. So yes. I think that Reza was just pissed that he got embarrassed and humiliated. And I think he knows that MJ doesn't like Adam and was trying to stir shit up to break them up. Because for whatever reason, she thinks he's a bad guy. She misses Reza, whatever it is. However, the minute Reza called MJ in the ICU, <laughs> I was like, you're dead to me. I, I could not, there is nothing, even a murder, you cannot do that to a woman who's like on death's door, who just got like her all of her insides taken out and almost died delivering her baby. You can't do it. You just cannot do it. There are some lines in life you cannot cross. He crossed it. So I don't even care that MJ was the one and she did and she's lying because I know all that's true. And then for him to say what he said on the last episode about her 10 abortions, I didn't think he could go get any worse. And then it got worse. That was the most disgusting. And I've watched a lot of trashy TV. That was the most disgusting thing I've ever heard anybody say on reality TV. I'm sorry. I said it. It was so rotten. Uh, and yeah, I'm, I was speechless. I actually, yeah. I actually rewound it. <laughs> I Me swear, too. I rewound it. Me too. I was like, did he, really, did he really say that? And he did. I mean, just absolutely atrocious. And he is a rotten person, but he's somebody who makes for incredibly great television. And oh, so- yeah. I mean, he's the glue. If he leaves the show, and I have to say, MJ is too, not having her in those first five episodes or whatever, having like that iPhone video that was subpar. I really missed her. I mean, the, Reza and MJ are the heart of the show. And so I don't care if they're in love or they're fighting. You have to have both of them in the show or the show doesn't work. I'm sorry, but Rima, Rema, what's his name? Zima? Rema? What's the new guy's name with the, with the veneers? What's his name? Rima? Remy? Rima? God damn it. What is his name? Veneers guy. Is it Rima? Veneers guy. Zima? Mima? Uh, Mema. Mima. Rema. Mema. Nima. God damn it. Nima. He, I get it. You're trying hard and kudos because, you know, when he went in on Mike, I did appreciate that. But Nima, you're not holding the show together. Mike. No, we need Mike. But, but Gigi makes my, we, we rage at Gigi and destiny. My, I watch it with my husband and we just, I, boy, 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 boy. I find destiny is, I don't know what she is doing this season. Do not care that she's having sex with some dude. I don't know why any of them care. Let her go get some. Gigi, don't care about your pregnancy or anything about you. Like those two are the worst. Well, and and this week is the is the week that that Tommy goes to Reza's and starts throwing planters around. Which <laughs> I believe he got he did he get he got arrested and went to jail for that. I think I don't know that he went to jail, but he but he definitely law enforcement was involved. By the way. Tommy is underutilized. He is Agreed. such a good, he is the, he is amazing. Their wedding where they're like cursing each other out during their vows yeah. was one of the funniest things. <laughs> yeah, we, we really seen. could use more, we could use more Tommy fate or fight, whatever his last name is in our lives. <laughs> Tommy. I mean, you could not invent a better, he's like a cartoon character. Right. I, I mean, I feel like. I feel like when I lived in New York, I knew a couple guys that because <laughs> they were sitting, similar. yeah, because they were sitting behind you at the Yankees going the Yankees game, like what the fuck are you doing out there? Come on, exactly, like yeah, throwing I knew, I knew their beer on your head, you know, like just uh, they're so he's such a. I knew type. a couple of Tommies back in the day. Yeah, you did. Yeah, you did. I'm sure they're in Chicago too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're here too in Los Angeles. They're everywhere. <laughs> they're everywhere. Do you want to give a few quick shout outs to shows to recommend to people? 
Oh, in um, the meantime? As, as they have some, some downtime? Yes, that we owe before. Oh, so that we haven't watched, that we're not going to deep dive on yet? We we're, can deep dive on them next time, but in the interim, maybe we give people a few things to take a look at while we're uh, okay. Give them a few quick. Give them a few quick recommendations for the weekend, even the, in okay. addition to the ones we've given. I'm going to give a few. Uh, I think Hunters on Amazon is worth a look. You and I will talk about that one later. Um, <laughs> I really enjoyed High Fidelity. Um, I thought it was a really great homage to the movie and is a really fun, easy show to watch. Uh, Ozark new season starts. March 27th, that'll be season three. If you want to catch yourself up, you can watch seasons one and two on Netflix. Uh, and Afterlife, season two comes out in April. If you want to get caught up on that, check out Ricky Gervais's first season of Afterlife on Netflix as well. Awesome. Okay, I'm excited about, I need to catch up on Ozark big time. I, Wait, love, the, I love the first season, but I haven't seen second season yet, so I got to do that. So let me ask more, you this. One more that I think is an easy watch, by yeah. the way, is, is The Chef Show with John Favreau and Roy Yeah, Trey. my husband loves that show too. Love it. Love it. So um, two things. Are you watching Top Chef? Uh, I have not watched the premiere, but it is sitting on my DVR waiting for me. Okay. I enjoyed it. Some good old faces. Um, and second thing, do we want to both try to watch the Tiger King this weekend and to have to discuss for our next, for our part two? It's, it's, the, it's the series based on the very popular Wondery podcast called Joe Exotic, which I listen to. It's an insane story. Um, and it looks really, the docu looks really good too. The answer to that is I will be finished with it by tomorrow night. I got, <laughs> a text from a, I got a text from a friend of mine. Her boyfriend works at Netflix. So I don't know if you know this, but if you are a Netflix employee, you get access to shows one week prior to their release. Ooh. So if you are under their employee, they give you a passcode. And when you log on to Netflix, you enter that code and you get access to shows before they're available to anyone else. So she and her boyfriend watched this show and she could not stop ranting and raving about it and said to me, Brian, I know what you like. You must watch this tomorrow. So this is going to be another, this is going to be another, uh, water cooler show, huh? So to speak. Uh, It sure sounds like it. I, I trust what she says. Yeah. And it's such a good story that I can't imagine it's not, it's a, it's a great story, by the way. Another one that we won't talk about because you haven't watched it, but I really implore you to watch it because I know you'll like it. It's so good is The Pharmacist. It's so good. I mean, look, it's depressing as hell, but it is such a compelling, well-made, fascinating documentary series. It's four parts. You could could bang that out by Sunday. Easily. I, I need to watch this Tiger show, and I will be doing so after I watch Top Chef. Amazing. All right. So we'll catch up um, in a few days, hopefully to record part two after you've consumed like 50 more hours of TV or streaming <laughs> or whatever you want to call it content. And um, there's no basketball on. What am no I supposed basketball. To do? This is, this is going to have to do for now. Good luck with your quarantine and fat, as I call it, fattening the curve. Um, and we will <laughs> talk soon. Okay. Sounds good. Thanks. Okay, bye. 